Coming up on this episode of Nintendo Cartridge Society, we're excited to announce a bunch of announcements are about to be announced. It's dangerous to go alone, so the Nintendo Cartridge Society goes with you. Welcome to Nintendo Cartridge Society. My name is Patrick Ellers, and I am joined, as I am always joined, by my co-host, Mark Mitchell. We've got a good show for you today. We're going to be talking about the news from the week, including EA's Respawn making three new Star Wars games. And then on Thursday, we are re-ranking, definitively, the console Zelda games. But Mark, in the meantime, how are you doing? I'm doing well. You know, Patrick, uh, not to skip too far ahead in our show, yeah. but we have set ourselves a topic for 433 that is making Ooh. my mind reel. A 433 tease. And Unprecedented. I, and I, um, yeah, ever since we d- decided on the topic, it's like all I can think about. I think it's going to be, I think we've set a difficult task for ourselves and I will say no more. I would say that the more difficult task would be not thinking about it between now and when we get to 433. Because we usually don't hit that segment until we're like 20 minutes, 25 minutes it's into true. the episode. So. Listener, if you simply cannot wait, go ahead, skip ahead, listen to that conversation, come back, tell us how it went, because we are on pins and needles, I think. Um, but also, in the meantime, you should just try to borrow my copy of Sonic Forces for the Nintendo Switch, uh, which you can do by emailing us at Nintendo Cartridge Society at, at gmail.com, gmail.com and giving, the, giving us a mailing address. One where you live or where you have access to the mailbox um, where we can send you my copy of Sonic Forces. You play it for as long as you want. You send it back. It doesn't cost you anything. There might be a copy of Untitled Goose Game in there. There's no way to know. Now, presumably, yes. and I'm just working this out as I'm thinking of it right now, uh-huh. so this may not be true, but presumably you could, in theory, send somebody else's address for as a like birthday gift. Or a I would holiday say, gift, right? You could, you could, yes. But I would say don't surprise someone with this um, because they'll think it's trash. They'll they'll think it's trash. They'll be like, "Who's mailing me trash?" And then they'll throw it away. They won't even know to send it back. They may uh, send me their trash. I don't want anyone trash. They won't know that it's the perfect borrowing program. They won't know it's the perfect borrowing program. If, however, you are giving me someone else's address because you would like them to listen to the show, like that's an okay thing. Like spreading the word about the show, I think that's okay. <laughs> oh, I thought you were saying because. We will then mail somebody a letter from us saying, hey, you should listen to this show. Like, the person has to do no work. Well, yeah. I mean, naturally, what we do is we put some episodes on cassette and send them in, in the mail. We we do offer that service, of course. Well, another thing you can do is you can leave us a five-star review on Apple Podcasts or Spotify or wherever you get your podcasts. We appreciate it so much. Um, if you don't want us to mail cassette tapes to someone you know because you want them to listen to this show... You can just tell them about it. You can share the show somehow. And if you do, let us know. We check the U.S. Apple Podcast Store. We will give you a shout-out on the show if you leave us a five-star review. We appreciate it so much. If you leave us a review anywhere else or you favorite us or you do whatever you do to share NCS, also let us know because we would love to give you a shout-out on the show. Um, We don't often, I don't think, use the abbreviation NCS uh, on mic. Right, like I think, I think we uh, generally—it's like when we're talking about Dragon Quest Eleven S, Echo Seven, Elusive Age, Definitive Edition for the Nintendo Switch. We like to say the full names of things. I was just sort of taken aback. I'm sorry, I should (laughs) have. I, you know what? I didn't even really think about it. I'm having a lazy day today, and I those words were coming up, and I was like, do you know what? Not this time. Gonna roll with it. Yeah, (laughs) I'm not. I'm not gonna say three full words. Feel free to uh, abbreviate the show however you deem appropriate, uh, both Mark and the listener. Um, it's just a, 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 I was surprised to hear it. It like it genuinely. I was like, oh <laughs> yeah. As I mean, as we do the show for longer and we both get older, we're not gonna be able to surprise each other like that anymore. No, that's true. Uh, so I will count these among our, our precious few su- remaining surprises. Um, here's a surprise. Not really. Kirby month is coming up in March. We're getting a brand new. Kirby game uh, in the form of Kirby and the Forgotten Land. Sounds good to me. <laughs> Is that not the name of the game? Is I believe it. Okay, great. Um, but 
the whole month leading up to it, we are going to be playing Kirby games like we've never played Kirby games before, which means we need some input from you. What games would you like us to play? Do you have any Kirby memories you'd like to share? Anything like that would be helpful for us. Uh, email us at Nintendo Cartridge Society at, at gmail.com or get us on Twitter where wherever. Um, I'm very much looking forward to this. March is coming up way soon. It's February. Right as as this episode releases, we are February first. We've got four weeks until Kirby Month begins. Yeah, I can't believe it. It's coming up so fast. I'm very excited for it. There is so much Kirby that I don't know. I think it's going to be a lot of fun. Also, Patrick, I just want to make super clear. Yeah. That um, I that what I was intending to say is that as we continue to do this show, we're gonna we will get older physically and our hearts will be frail. So if we oh, surprise each other like that, we will end up killing each other not that we won't continue to surprise each, I and each other through the life of this show mark right here now i want to apologize for having made that assumption <laughs> that you were saying that we wouldn't be able to surprise each other as we got older um just because we would become boring and bored <laughs> with each other i don't think that'll ever happen uh but we may in fact have frail hearts mark uh it is time for us to get into what we've been playing this week so let's get into it Perhaps a programming note is in order here. Um, we are recording this episode a little bit earlier than usual for our news episodes. We are recording on Saturday afternoon. So I have been playing Pokemon Legends Arceus, but I've literally been in possession of the game card for 24 hours. Um, so I am not very far into the game. Well, you've at least put 24 hours in, I though. put at least 24 hours into it nonstop. I've been playing it since I picked it up. Um no, I've probably got three or four hours in in the game. Um, maybe maybe even more. I don't know. It's uh, it's very easy to play while other stuff is happening. Um, and at this point, I spend a lot of time when I'm just like running around the open world, catching Pokemon, battling them, um, listening to like podcasts and stuff because it does like it retains a lot of the kind of grindiness of regular Pokemon, um, but just while being like a thousand times more interesting. Like I. I, I'm really enjoying the time I've spent with this game so far. Um, it doesn't feel to me like it is a uh, revolution of um, Pokemon, but I think it is just taking some of these smarter, like, open-world game design ideas, applying them to what is still Pokemon, right? Um, and just making it the sort of, like, most enjoyable form of that. Yeah, I, you know, have said before that I didn't intend to pick it up and I still don't think I intend to buy it. But when the reviews came out and early impressions from people that have been playing it, you know, in the last 24 hours or so, it is, it looks way more interesting than uh, it did from the previews to me. Yeah. I mean the, I, I had an experience like right before coming over here to record with you today um, where uh, I was like, well, you know, climbing up a mountain or not really climbing up, a, you know, but I uh, like walking up a steep hill. <laughs> Um, and I was sneaking around cause there was a geo dude I was trying to get behind. Uh, and this geo dude was like, uh, kind of like, you know, like making big shoulders at like another geo dude. And they were like, kind of like, like sizing each other up. It was just like, I'm seeing these two geo dudes in the wild. Um, and that instantly makes the, uh, the fact that I'm about to fight one of them and capture another one way more interesting, right? Like they're not just weird little machines in this clockwork world instead they're like creatures yeah i are I, interacting it's 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 remarkable i love that that is definitely something that appeals to me about this game in the same way that like Poke new pokemon snap appealed to me where it's like yeah like for me what i like most about pokemon is that they are cute adorable like creatures living in this world yeah and very rarely do you get to see them interact in that way yes like sword and shield introduced you know this camping mechanic which like had a little bit of that but i feel like as these games have gained higher fidelity they're leaning more and more into the relationship between like not to oversell it but just like pokemon you know like hanging out like yeah. animals would hang out together and i think that's a lot of fun yeah and i don't even think that that is uh like i i i don't think even it being like a a minor thing that it's not you know, hyper complex systems of like, you know, there's no like 
Pokemon food chain and you don't like see them like form, uh, you know, they don't mate for life and you know, whatever. Um, but like just the little bit of the illusion goes a long way. Um, and even just like having the Pokemon being appropriately sized, um, means that like you spend, you know, I spent the first like hour and a half of the game hunting for pretty small Pokemon, right. That are maybe like a foot or two tall. Um, and then the first time I came across like one of those, like a weird, weird deer or something like that, something deer sized or like the first, uh, uh, maybe it's a Ponyta. It's like a fiery horse. I still don't know the names of Pokemon. <laughs> um, but the first time I encountered one of those and it's like about the same size as your trainer. Um, it's like, oh yeah, this like, it's bigger. It feels like it, I'm filled with like the experience of seeing it is like, oh, oh my God. That's like, cool. There, there's a bigger thing here. Um, Instead of, you know, everything takes up the same uh, little sprite square on the screen. That, I mean, that sounds really cool. Um, Mark, I, when I went to pick up my copy of this game at the Best Buy, uh, I ran into friend of the show, Connor McCabe. He was also there at the exact same time doing the exact same thing. <laughs> um, and uh, so I checked in with him to see who he's starting who his starter Pokemon is going to be. Because the three options are Rowlet. Mm -hmm. um, it's okay. I got you. I, okay. Yeah. yeah. I was hoping, and I, listeners, I was making eyes at Patrick. Panic eyes. <laughs> like, like, tell me, tell me, tell me. <laughs> Cyndaquil? Is this a Cyndaquil's oh, another one. Got it. And Oshawa, Oshawott. Okay. Um, who's like the otter, the the water type uh, uh, otter. Um, and so I asked Connor who he was starting, and he's starting Cyndaquil because he loves the Cyndaquil, loves that generation. Um and he was like, who, who are you going to start? And I hadn't really thought about it. Um, but I was like, well, I shouldn't pick Cyndaquil because it's a friend of mine is starting Cyndaquil. So like, I'll likely encounter that Pokemon at some point. Uh, and then I was like, if Mark ever plays this game, he's going to start the Rowlet. Yeah, that's true. That's um, true. So I started the Oshawott. Nice. Um, he's so cute. And he's got a little clam on his belly. What does the Oshawott um, evolve into? Do you know? No. Okay. Something that bigger. wasn't a fair question for, <laughs> of me to ask. I admit that. Um, but yeah, I'm 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 really enjoying it. It it, it has a lot of um, you know kind of Pokemon problems and Nintendo problems, just like in general, where it's like I I can't believe how much time it's taking me to like get to catching my first Pokemon, um, and it's like. Oh, okay. So here, here's something that I don't know uh, was clearly expressed in, in the trailers for this game. Um, but you start the game seemingly as a person who lives in like the present day of oh. the Pokemon world. And like the first thing you experience is like tripping through like a time vortex. That's so weird. With your phone. So you're like falling through this like endless nothing. And your phone, like, drifts away from you. Like, your iPhone drifts away from you. And you're, like, trying to get it back. And in this moment, first of all, I'm like, this is so pathetic. And it's just like, the my lifeline to everything. My phone. I'll be fine if I can get my phone. Um, and then when you – so then you wake up in the past, um, having fallen out of, like, a time gate or something. Um, and so, like, the whole thing is set up where they're like, oh, you're a mysterious visitor from the future. Um, and you're like, you know, making the first Pokedex. I don't know why the game isn't just like taking place yeah, in the past. That that is, I had no idea that that was the framing device. That does seem super crazy. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> like unnecessarily <laughs> crazy. Yeah. Um, I do suspect that we were pu you're pulled into the past by some sort of. Uh, oh yeah, is Pokemon? there like story stuff going on? Oh, oh, by a Pokemon. I think by a Pokemon. Oh, okay. But then again, I don't know. It has a name. They named. In fact, it's Arceus. Um, but I don't know if Arceus is a Pokemon or something else at this point. Um, so, yeah, it's. I I got to like I was uh, flabbergasted that's, that that there was a time travel component strange. here, and not just like being in taking place in the past. You know, it kind of uh, when you were describing that, it reminds me of the beginning of Mario plus Rabbids, which also has this kind of like strange framing device where you are you're a yes. like little girl who <laughs> likes video games programs video games and has like programmed the little hoover rabbit thing yeah and then these rabbits show up from another dimension and suck right. all that mario stuff in and that's how the two get combined well and and that there there is like a, a combining headset right because one of the rabbits oh yeah gets... it's the vr like headset yeah, that yeah, yeah. you're yeah that you're wearing at the very beginning of the game 
It's also weirdly like the um, conceit of uh, Hyrule Warriors. Also true. Calamity of Ganon. Age of Calamity. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah that's right. Age of Calamity, where it for, it is a prequel, but then also like takes starts at the end of where the prequel story would end, right. and then travels back in time. Yeah, to the of, that that is so weird. I don't know what's going on at Nintendo. You can do a flashback story, a prequel story, without time travel. I think. I think you I, can. I think that you know, like maybe it's to connect with kids or something. I don't know. To make them know. feel like. I don't know. Maybe maybe they were worried that if it was all taking place in the olden times, kids would be like, ooh, gross. But the thing is, like, it literally does all take place in the olden times. When I say you are a person in, uh, like, present day, that's, like, the background information. Right. The first thing you experience is you see the, like, portal that you're following. Oh. Um, so, but, like, so you're weird. wearing, like, a regular T-shirt and you have a phone. And people are like, wow, that's weird. And the phone kind of, like, changes shape as you uh, travel through time. But it's like... Later, someone's like, oh, that's a weird map you've got there. And you, so far, I've only used it as a map. So, like, <laughs> why isn't it just a map? There's so many parts that's of it really... where I'm just like, why are we time traveling? Yeah, may- maybe it'll pay off later. Maybe it'll pay off later, yeah. Maybe there's some, like, big reveal. That, that's really interesting. I had no idea that that was yeah. how that game's story was told. How funny. Yeah. Uh, I've been playing Paper Mario on the Nintendo Switch Online. I just finished Flower Field, so I have one more, like, star to get before um, I reach the final chapter of the game. But I think, you know, we're, we are applying a little pressure to myself by mm-hmm. re-ranking the Zeldas. We're and turning the screws. We, we have other Zelda stuff lined up later in February, in theory. Anyways, I've got to get back to Skyward Sword. You got it. I, I kind of did it to myself, and now I'm on the cusp of finishing... Paper Mario, and I'm relatively on the cusp of finishing Skyward Sword, and so, but I had for I had been putting just all this momentum into Paper Mario, and the reason that is because I haven't had a ton of time to game recently, and so when I do play games, it's just for you know like thirty minutes here, fifteen minutes here, yeah. And Skyward Sword, I personally can't, I just don't enjoy playing, not using motion controls. I don't like the stick controls that they added to me don't really make a lot of sense. Maybe if I had played the entire game that way, I'd feel differently. Oh, it seems like it'd be a nightmare. It's hard to jump back and forth. And so it's like, okay, well, I'm only going to play this when when it's like hooked up to the TV and I can do like motion controls and I just haven't had time to do that. But I am going to finish Skyward Sword. But I'm still really enjoying Paper Mario. I am feeling a little bit of that. And maybe because it is like mentally, I want to get back to Skyward Sword as well. But I am feeling a little bit of that end of game fatigue where you're like you get to like the fiddly bits where i yep you in paper mario in between each like chapter you go back to see what princess peach is doing and you like uh play as princess peach and it's really cute the first time a ha- couple times it happens but now like i think uh, while i'm as i'm getting toward the end i'm getting a little impatient and i'm just like there's no point to this segment like let me just get back to being mario yeah um yeah but well yeah. it's that, that that that's so funny i i feel like there's also a point in every um mario rpg where like i don't want to do the combat part of it anymore where like i just want it to be regular menu-based combat and like i don't want to do the timed thing anymore like let's just assume i do it all right um because it's just like easier to like just push the button and like watch it play out. Like I know I know how to do it. I feel like they should reach a point where you're just like, okay, now this timing thing is just on autopilot. Yeah, I, I agree. Or at least like, um because in Paper Mario, you don't really get the, your attacks like level up for sure, but you're still doing like five points of damage. Right. And enemies have a total of like like the the boss I just fought had sixty points. Right. But actually, the bot- boss I just fought was really cool. It was one of the f- uh, first enemies in a while where I had to like really I had to like strategize and think like, oh yeah, how am I going to do this? It's a big cloud, and every time you hit it, a little cloud would pop out, and then after at the end of like the clouds, or at the end of your turns when the cloud is beginning their turn. They would, um, the, all the clouds would come and attack you, and then they would like inhale all the little clouds, and they would get one 
point of HP back oh. for every cloud they inhaled. And so, you know, it just took a little bit of like, okay, like what strategies do I have? Which partner is best for this? Which badges should I equip yeah. to be able to like take this out quickly enough? So it, it was it was a lot of fun. I see then it's like that kind of thing where it's like, oh yeah, so the, str the strategizing is really important. And then that it still comes down to like, oh, did I push left on the, uh, you know, joystick enough time so that uh, Bowet can, or Bow, Bowet? Yeah, Bow, yeah. Bow, yeah. Um, can like slap the thing enough time. That's to, exactly what it came yeah. down to. Yeah. yeah. Um, well, I'm I'm excited that you are approaching the end of that game. Uh, I'm still also playing Banjo Kazooie on the Nintendo Switch Online, um, but that's a little bit more slow going. Um, as we were coming into Pokemon Legends release day, I'm I've also been trying to finish up uh, Spider Man on the PlayStation. I'm playing it on PlayStation Five. Um, and I'm so near the end of that game, uh, like the end of the the story that like I every time I turn it on, I'm like, OK, I'm just going to like power through to like the next the next story beat and just like finish these. But it's a game that is built on distracting you um, and like really does a good job of like putting you in Peter Parker's shoes and being like, I, here are the things I want to do. But then all these like crimes are popping up and you're like, I can't just I can't just <laughs> ignore that. Someone's being mugged. Um, so. I've ended uh, this last week. I've actually played a lot of Spider-Man uh, more than I anticipated. Uh, and I'm still not done with it. Uh, so who knows when I'll even get back to that. Yeah. I, for whatever reason, I tend to get like, uh, begin to start feeling frustration towards the end of games. Yes. Even with something like, uh, I haven't played Spider-Man, but something like that where you're like, Oh, but I, there's like all this other stuff I want to do. Yeah. And, uh, I usually, a lot of times I will go and do it, but I also feel a little sense of frustration where I'm just like, but I kind of also just want this experience to be over. Like I yes. want to just be able to say I am done with this and put it away. Well, and so there's something that has, I, I like Spider-Man a lot. I think just like living in uh, the, the New York and being Spider-Man flipping around is all super compelling uh, and is fun. Um, and I know this is a Nintendo podcast, so I won't talk about Spider-Man for too long. Um, but one of the things I find really frustrating about that game is that the more you progress through the story, the more like enemy encampments appear on uh, in Manhattan because you are introducing more like Spider-Man villains. So like their henchmen are now setting up camp in like these different places. So as I'm playing the game and as I'm like fighting criminals and like, as I'm doing good things, the city is getting worse. <laughs> uh, and it's just like, well, what's the point? Like it just, it, it feels the, the, the relationship between my effort and how good things are for the people of New York is inverted. Yeah. That's, um, that's so, really interesting. Yeah, I, I find I find that the that thrust really frustrating. Um, so I don't know the the counter says I'm like 87 percent of the way through the campaign. So like I want it at this point. I just want it to be over. <laughs> um, but uh, yeah, I don't know. I've played maybe one more level of Banjo Kazooie, and I still love it. And I don't think I'll ever stop loving it. Uh, all right, Mark, that's what we've been playing this week. Let's get into the new releases and what we might be playing next week. There's not really anything of note this week coming out. I feel like probably the most notable aspect that we didn't talk about when it was announced a week ago or two weeks ago. So today, February 1st, the Life is Strange Remastered Collection was supposed to be released on Switch in addition to other platforms. And while it is still being released on other platforms, it is it got delayed on Switch to sometime later in 2022. Um, which we've seen that before, right? Of like sort of last minute um, delays on Switch where they're like, I don't know, we, we just haven't been able to pull it off yet. Yeah, and I feel like a very similar thing happened with Dying Light 2, the clouded version. Oh, yeah, that's right. Um, still being released, I think, uh, this week on other platforms, but not coming to Switch. And actually, maybe I, I don't know if the cloud version is elsewhere. I don't know if there's a Stadia version or Amazon Luna or whatever. Yeah. Uh, but I know that on Switch, it's still at least like they said they're hoping to release it within six months. Talking about uh, Dying Light 2, not Life is Strange Remastered Collection. They have not given any date other than 2022 right now. Um, it, it is interesting just to see like that even cloud versions of games on on Switch can be delayed where it's that's confusing to me. Uh, and I wonder if it's just like because that. What do you think, like, the problems there are? 
Well, I imagine that, you know, like having a cloud version of a game has its own, you know, like um, build of the game. And right. so it would have its own bugs and its own everything. And so if I were, th- I mean, I think it makes sense for them to deprioritize that if it comes down to like, yeah, totally. what are we going to ship? Well, let's ship it on these other platforms. Then we can pivot to releasing later. I, I guess my main question is like, you-, you brought up like the other streaming platforms and like, is there like fundamentally a different build between Switch streaming and Luna streaming? Yeah, and- that's a great question. I would guess that there, this is, purely a guess way outside our depth yeah uh, absolutely but i would guess that yes there are subtle differences that it's not like you just push a button and it'll work on all the cloud platforms yeah but uh because i'm sure that the technology that powers stadia is probably different than powers amazon's right there's probably like nuances that are different that's probably right cloud versions so my guess is that they are similar but different enough that it's not like you can just lump them all together i wonder if there's any like uh, uh prioritization to like decreasing latency on specific platforms and if like that's what you have to tune those to or or what it's something that i wish i knew more about but i'm not going to look into it and i'm also never really going to experience firsthand because like anytime i've messed around with cloud gaming and mind you i've mostly only done it on uh on the switch um that it's been a kind of disappointing experience that i would rather just play something natively um but uh, yeah, if you want to play Life is Strange Remastered, which is not a cloud version of the game, um, you're going to have to wait a little bit to do that on Switch. Um, all right, Mark, let's get into the next segment. That segment, of course, is 433. In 1952, American composer John Cage wrote a piece called 433, wherein a performer or a group of performers didn't play their instruments for 4 minutes and 33 seconds. For the purposes of this show, our instruments are talking about Nintendo. So, for the duration of one performance, 433, Mark and I will talk about something not at all Nintendo-related, thus fulfilling the contract of the piece. Mark, today we're ranking songs, and not just any songs, but songs from the movie musical Chicago. Yes. Um, Patrick and I have talked about this Mm -hmm. before. This movie, this soundtrack lives in our heads 24, se- 24 hours a day, seven yeah. days a week. Yeah. It's it's not even fair to say rent-free. I think I'm paying it rent for it to live in my head. Yeah. For, um, I really enjoy this movie. Mm-hmm. The music is really great. Yes. I often wake up singing the, the, with these songs in my head. It is just the life that I live. Um, all right. So, uh, well, and you can like the life you're living or you can live the life you like. <laughs> But we still have to rank all these songs. Um, let's just quickly run down the list of all of the tunes uh, and uh, so everyone knows what we're dealing with here. Um, first is the Overture slash All That Jazz. Next is Funny Honey. Uh, then When You're Good to Mama. N- then Cell Block Tango. Uh, then All I Care About. Then We Both Reach for the Gun. Then Roxy. I Can't Do It Alone. Mr. Cellophane. Razzle Dazzle. Nowadays. And then the Nowadays reprise and Hot Honey Rag. Right. And the Nowadays reprise slash Hot Honey Rag, we are leaving it on here as like a separate separate like song, even though it kind of just is Nowadays again. Um, But Mark, what do you, what do you, what do you, do you have any like early contenders for like, or anything that you don't have a high opinion of? No. So this This is is so hard. This is really hard. (laughs) Yes. Because I like all... the movie musical Chicago is a rare musical in general that I think I like every song. Yeah, I think you're right. Um, I I think the like I think Funny Honey and Mr. Cellophane are probably near the bottom of the list for me. Uh, I just really like high energy songs, and those two are the ones that like do not meet that bar. So I agree with yes, you. Yeah. yeah. Oh, okay. I I thought you were gonna be like so funny. Honey. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I I love high energy songs like Mr. Cellophane. No. Yeah, and like no shade to John C. Riley. He's great, and it's a good performance. But like, I that's I don't, when he's putting on like the clown makeup. It's a it's one part of the movie that I'm just like I don't go along with. Right. Yeah. Where I'm just like yep. uh, all right. Um, Mark, we've already talked for two minutes. We're oh like my halfway gosh. through this thing. Okay. All right. So th- those are at the bottom. Th- those are at the bottom. 
can I tell you what I think is probably my favorite song? And we'll, you'll have to do a lot to convince me that the Cell Block Tango is not the best oh, song in the show. Oh, it's so good. It's so good. This is a song that Patrick and I are constantly quoting to each other. The other day when we went for a long hike together, we were uh, hiking through some muddy areas. And someone said squish. And then it was like lip shits. Uh, Cicero. Uh, hi. Um, it's just such a good it's such a good song. It's you know about why everyone is in prison um, and their various like tales of woe, but usually like crimes that they just straight up committed. Yep. Uh, another one that I really like is we both reached for the gun. We both that, reached for the gun. That's great. another one where like uh, I I don't know that it's one of the best songs on this, but it is one that I think that whenever somebody's like oh yeah or oh yes. There's oh yes, a oh, long, yes. yeah. There's a yes. long run in the song that uses um, that phrase, and so I'm I th- it is brought to my mind a lot. Um, I also really really like uh, I can't do it alone, mm-hmm. which is Velma's song where she's like pleading with Roxy to be like we need to team up and like be a musical act together. Um, Cause she does these things where she's like walking through her old routine with her sister and she'd go like, I'd go and, and then she, dances. So she plays both parts. Right. And then uh, at the third part, she goes, then we'd go. And that we'd go is so fun and funny to me. I just, I, I love it. Do you know what? Uh, I like um, all I care about and I, but and I like Razzle Dazzle, but those are both kind of at the bottom for me. I don't yeah. like them that much. Here's the thing. I, it is hard to care that much about the Billy songs when uh, Roxy and Velmar are in the show, right? Like, he's great, um, but they're superstars, right? Jeez, uh... Mark. I, I, also, I mean, uh, When You're Good to Mama, that's a great song. Uh-huh. Uh, Mama's Good to You. I don't know. I don't think we're anywhere near okay. being able to rank this. Okay, Cell Block Tango, followed by... Oh, Mark, that's the end of the recording of 433. <laughs> I guess so, we'll so, never Cell know. Block Tango number one, I guess we'll never know the rest. Uh, we were accompanied today by the piano quartet, two sharps, one flat. All right, Mark, let's get into the news. Did that live up to your expectations, by the way? Yeah, it was as chaotic as <laughs> okay, I imagined. Good, like, good, how good. do you possibly choose? Yeah. So last week, EA and Lucasfilm Games announced that Respawn, the studio behind 2019's Star Wars Jedi Fallen Order, is currently overseeing development of three new Star Wars games. This is interesting to me on a number of levels. One, that so much of it is going to Respawn. Yeah. But also that, um, I guess a little, maybe not surprised, but that Star Wars and EA are going to continue to work together because, uh, you know, I think EA used to have an exclusive license, but that is clearly not yeah. the case anymore. Their, um, Lucasfilm is working with a bunch of different developers on Star Wars games right now. Yeah, I mean, it is interesting that it is all specifically through Respawn because the other EA games were made by different EA studios. Or Sorry, the different Star Wars games. I don't know. Right, what yeah, were made like DICE made yeah, exactly. uh, Battlefront or Field or whichever one was Front. called now. Yeah, um, And Battlefront 2. And, you know, both those games had like their fair share of controversy, but, uh, you know, ended up being cool games. But like, again, not without their controversy. But it's Jedi Fallen Order that is just like has a pristine... Uh, like critical and commercial reception so that uh, Lucasfilm Games is like, no, 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 we're just going to work with these guys yeah, and they can make all of our, or not all, but like uh, they can make three of our Star Wars games is pretty cool. Two, do you remember who developed the, um, like the Rogue Squadron game or what? There, Cause there was a, there was yeah. another Star Wars, there was a flying game that came out and had really good uh, VR support. Uh-huh. Um, yeah, I, I, I don't, I don't yeah. know. Who, I mean, I don't think it was Respawn. No, I don't think it was either. Yeah. But so of the three games, one of them is the next game in the Star Wars Jedi series from the same team as the f- makers of Fallen Order. And I just want to, uh, uh, there's something that, uh, uh, a nugget here that is interesting. They refer to it as the next game in the action adventure Star Wars Jedi series. So we can assume that the name of the next one will be Star Wars Jedi colon something else mm-hmm. um which is is good information to to like to glean here right that it's not 
um, that Fallen Order isn't like the name of the series. It that it's the Jedi part that is like the name of the series. I still think the a perfect sequel would be Star Wars Sith Fallen Order, and you play like you know the last remnant of the Sith or whatever. I think that would be very cool. Um, obviously, not what they're doing here. Um, but yeah, Star Wars Jedi, and also uh, that it's not explicitly being called a sequel, so it could take place anytime in the Star Wars timeline. Also, a first-person shooter led by Respawn game director Peter Hirschman, who has a history of working on Star Wars games, including Lego Star Wars, Force Unleashed, Lethal Alliance, and Forces of Corruption. Um, So another first-person shooter, which is obviously uh, kind of calling to the um, Battlefront um, lineage from the other EA studios, but now specifically out out of Respawn. And then a strategy game in partnership with a new studio called Bit Reactor, which is made up of many former XCOM developers. Uh, which, uh, it's weird that that seems to be like the order of the day, right? Of like strategy um, game. And I guess they, they're not, uh, they're not, they haven't called it like a tactics game or anything like that. So maybe it'll be some, you know, it, it could be anything. We don't, we don't know yet. Um, but it's just. Uh, that's an interesting little like buzzword that seems to be floating around for. Yeah, one one thing I IP. I personally think would be very cool is I'd love to see a High Republic game that is like Fire Emblem. Yeah, yeah. I mean that would be incredible. We know that we're getting a High Republic game from um, the David Cage studio that I can't remember the Quantic name. Quantic Dream. Quantic Dream. Thank you. Um, but yeah, it would be cool to see other studios taking a swing at that um, and doing something cool with it. But yeah, no real details about this game other than being announced. Do you think, Patrick, that there is any chance we see any of these on Nintendo platforms? Whether that's the Switch, the next Switch? Yeah, I mean, that's tough. Uh, I don't think the Jedi Fallen Order could run on a Switch. Maybe a cloud version could run. Right. (laughs) Um, But like the next version of, of the Switch... Whenever that comes out, like the fact that they're only really announcing these games now, and I know we've heard about a sequel to Fallen Order before, but um, we haven't seen anything. We don't have a title. Um, these games could be two, three years away, um, and it wouldn't be surprising. I maybe we'll see this uh, strategy game on, on Switch. But the rest of it, like there's that first-person shooter, that's not coming to Switch. EA also has just a weird relationship yeah. with Nintendo where I don't think – I just think they're kind of indifferent. Like yeah. they just don't fit into their strategy for what they want to do. I It's stuff like this that I personally would like to see cloud versions take off to in, you know, where it just kind of happens more often. I yeah. think that would be really cool to – to see, you know, these games show up on Switch, especially if the technology for cloud streaming continues to improve. Yeah. Yep. I, I mean, I, I agree with that. I also would like to see some sort of, I still feel like, you know, whatever the cloud streaming, it feels so impermanent. Like, uh, how long are they going to keep those servers up so that you can play Kingdom Hearts 3 on your Switch? Um, like, not forever. Definitely not forever. And uh, when you switch over to like a new Nintendo hard, new form of Nintendo hardware, are you going to be able to stream it there? Uh, I mean, probably not. So, yeah, all, all of that. Uh, it just feels like some of those, some of that impermanence needs to be like either ironed out or just like. Otherwise, I don't really understand what the point of the streaming versions is, especially when you got to pay uh, full price for the for the games. Yeah, I guess I just wonder if like something like. I mean, Microsoft definitely is betting that it is, but something like Game Pass is yeah. more the future of how people consume games, similar to how Netflix, you know, like that streaming model right. is the primary mode of consuming TV shows and movies. Yeah, well, and part of what makes that work for Xbox is that they're explicitly like, you can do this on any Xbox, or you can do this even on a PC. Like, there are so many different ways. Right, but there is no it. promise that you'll be able to play sure. this specific game forever. And so. But you're also not buying those games for $60, right? right? You're, totally yeah. fair. Totally uh, fair. Although you are paying a monthly thing that will add up to $60 after like three months. So, like, uh, you know, what, six of one, half dozen the other, I guess. Today, on Tuesday, February 1st at 2 p.m. Pacific time, Yacht Club Games will broadcast their third Yacht Club Games Presents. 
The Shovel Knight developer and Cyber Shadow publisher has teamed up with X-Play on G4 TV, and the presentation will run for 60 minutes on the X-Play Twitch channel. Very likely, as you are listening to this, this presentation has already happened, but very exciting. Yeah, very exciting. Um, evidently, the last one of these was two years ago, which I sort of can't believe. It feels like it just happened. Um, but uh, it's it's cool to see a smaller publisher, especially one that uh, makes a game that I like so much, <laughs> um, have like a hour-long presentation of stuff that they're up to. And one that they're promising like big announcements. Yeah, huge, huge even. Yeah, all caps huge. Uh, you mentioned, Patrick, here that Shovel Knight Dig is the only game we know about from Yacht Club that hasn't been released yet. Yeah, I mean, there, there has been, you know, the uh, Shovel Knight Pocket Dungeon, um, and now, you know, like a year or two years ago, uh, Cyber Shadow. Um, but yeah, it's we it, it'll, it'll be interesting to see, like, what else they have coming up, because they can't talk about Shovel Knight Dig for an hour. Um, but yeah, it'll be just fun to have, like, another little roadmap. Yeah, an hour is a long presentation. So long. They've also pivoted not that long ago mm -hmm. from being just a developer to also being a publisher. So like you said, we'll be interested to see yeah. what comes of that. Yeah. Cyber Shadow famously being a, a game that they didn't develop, but, but published. Um, yeah. It would be cool to see if they have made more, uh, if they have more relationships with developers and are putting out some other cool games. Well, I think this raises the ever present question. Does this Make a Nintendo Direct more or less likely to happen. Oh, okay. This is a great point, Mark. I did mention that I have now a theory about Nintendo Direct. I think Nintendo Directs, uh, I think we're going to get one. I think we're going to get one soon. Ooh. Um, just because, look, we, we know we got Kirby coming up in two months. Um, and uh, we just had Pokemon. I feel like Nintendo was getting out of, the, out of Pokemon's way. Um, just so it could speak for itself and be itself and people could discover it on their own. And now I think we are weeks away from a new Nintendo Direct. That's just what I'm feeling. Exciting times. We I mean, in some way, aren't we always weeks away from a Nintendo Direct? Hmm. Just a question of the I, number of weeks. before or after. <laughs> there was a time when we were like a year away from the next Nintendo Direct. Yeah. Let's not dwell on that no, because let's, let's th that, that makes me dizzy thinking about <laughs> the, the implications Sonic Team creative officer Takashi Izuka gave an interview with Games Radar, which includes some intriguing bits of information about the forthcoming Sonic Frontiers. On the setting, they say, quote, With Sonic Forces, the team set out to create a compilation of high-speed Sonic action games that flipped the usual Sonic storyline on its head, taking place in a world where the Dr. Evil Eggman had prevailed. Just a quick sidebar here. Listeners, I'm sure you hear, you hear us talk about the Sonic Forces borrowing program all the time, but did you know that that's the premise of Sonic Forces? We don't really talk about the content of the game all that much. No, in fact, almost never. Um, I, I did know that. I did know that that was the, the, the premise of the game because I have played some of it. Within this new storyline, speaking of Sonic Forces, or excuse me, Sonic Frontiers, that's what it's called? Yes. Yeah. Okay. I do think it is a little bit of a problem that it has the same acronym. They're both just SF. It's a problem. Okay. So going back to the quote and back to speaking of Sonic Frontiers, they say, within this new storyline and world, we created new Sonic environments and characters like the villain Infinite. With Sonic Frontiers, we are challenging ourselves to deliver an all-new style of Sonic action adventure. We're once again expanding the Sonic universe, bringing in new environments and additional features to create totally new, a totally new type of of open zone experience. First of all, I love that when you're talking about Sonic games, you don't call it open world, it's open zone. I love it. I me too. <laughs> uh, but otherwise he didn't say anything, right? Well, in that vein, he there's a quote here on making sure Sonic Sonic stays fast in the game. Quote, "We pay extremely close attention to getting all the little Sonic details right to make sure that Sonic's signature speed and characteristics remain consistent." across every gaming iteration. With Sonic Frontiers, we'll introduce new combat styles to bring Sonic's signature dexterity onto the battlefield, and the new exploration options obviously play into his iconic speedy nature. What is being said there? What, is, what, is, what, what does that mean? <laughs> it, doesn't, it doesn't mean anything. Other than, yes, I know Sonic is supposed to be fast. Uh-huh. Right? Like, I, 
I think that's all he's like. The interviewer was like, "Hey, so what do you? What, how are you? How are you making sure Sonic stays fast?" And he's like, "We understand that you want Sonic to be fast, and we've designed a game where he'll be fast, doing new things with speed." It's the Sonic promise. It is the Sonic promise. Capcom's latest financial report, which published last week, shows that the company is having a strong year so far for fiscal year 21-22. Sales are up 35.9% from the same period last year, and operating income is up 43.9% from the same period last year. This is likely due to continued strong sales of Monster Hunter Rise, plus Resident Evil Village, and 1.4 million copies sold for Monster Hunter Stories 2, Wings of Ruin. So that is where we pause and go... Because if you told me that uh, Capcom's having a great year because uh, Monster Hunter Rise considers so well um, and Village was a Resident Evil Village was a big hit for them, I'd be like, ah, yes, that makes sense. Those are big selling, like high profile games that people expect to sell well. But then Monster Hunter Stories 2 Wings of Ruin selling 1.4 million copies is a big deal. It looks cute. <laughs> it, like yeah. it looked cute but then you d- i personally in the you know small circles that i travel in didn't hear anybody playing it or really that there was much discussion of it after it released last summer and yet it sold over a million copies which is a lot more you have a note here that um the first game sold around three hundred thousand copies at retail on the 3ds yeah which uh is not great um and i i, w- I was reading a, an article now i can't remember where it was um about their being sort of like a mystery as to why uh, Monster Hunter Stories 1 didn't really pick up in Japan. Um, Like that the series obviously is so popular in Japan. And anytime there's a new like kid RPG thing, um, it has the potential to really blow up there. Um, You know, something like Yokai Watch caught on really well there, didn't catch on here. There was also like an animated series to, uh, or an anime series to accompany it which usually spells pretty good things, um, especially for someone like Capcom, who's like very much in that market. Um, and it just didn't hit in Japan for uh, whatever reason. I don't know if that has been rectified with this 1.4 million of Monster Hunter Stories 2, or if that's just more Americans have switches now um, and gave Monster Hunter Stories 2 a, a, a spin, or, or what. Like I, I honestly don't know what's behind this, um, other than uh, to say that the Switch... Uh, there's just that bump, the switch bump that like people want to play games on that system. Finally, uh, this week in talking about things that we swore we would never talk about again. That's right. Mario Movie News Watch, actor, comedian, and voice of Luigi, Charlie Day, went on the Kimi- Jimmy Kimmel show last week. And when the subject of the Super Mario Brothers movie came up, Day claimed to not know anything about the movie, just that it's all very secretive. Yeah, he he does. He does do that. Um, but, well, can you read the quote? Yeah, okay. okay. So he says, quote, I know nothing. I show up and they're like, you say this and you say that. And it's all very funny and good. I walk out and there's like two guys in overalls with like hammers that are like, don't you tell nobody nothing about this, Charlie. I swear to God, we're going to get your kneecaps. We're going to break your neck. Okay, so obviously, obviously that's a joke, right? Um, but I think they do just have him like, NDA'd to high heaven, so we can't really say anything about it. Um, and so I just think it's funny that uh, he's like just diving headfirst into like making jokes about it. Mm-hmm. Um, do you take any comfort, Mark, in him saying it's all very funny and good? No, what is he gonna say? Yeah, he's gonna be like, oh, yeah, it kind of sucks, but, <laughs> but I'm I also, doing it anyway. I so on Disney Plus, there is um, a doc, like a six part documentary or something about the making of Frozen 2. And it's really interesting to watch and see how like animated movies are made. And I, I also 100% believe that he doesn't really know what the, like, yeah, sure. the, the, the story is or how it all comes together. Because it does uh, appear that the way those movies are made are very, you know, like they work on it a little bit. The people record lines. You're probably recording for in fits and starts for like three years. Yeah. And so, and you're probably a little bit surprised at how, or you don't probably see the whole thing come together until you are able to watch the movie. Yeah. Well, and like elsewhere in the interview, he mentions that like he hasn't recorded with Pratt. Like every, they bring everyone in separately to record lines. So like, yeah, it's, yeah, of course he doesn't have any idea what's going on in the movie. Uh, it's also, uh, there's a part in the interview where he mentions that he was just recording. He was just in the studio recording that morning, um, which like this movie's supposed to come out at Christmas, right? 
but that 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 also is i mean that's not very surprising to me at all like they're just doing like again pickup, again yeah. with frozen 2 like they that was coming together weeks before it had to like lock right but like sure it, 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 a lot of times these things are right up to the very yeah. last second so. well and like adr stuff too like you the, you can get you can need more dialogue later in the process than you think it makes sense mm-hmm. um but yeah i mean yeah, we we don't have any any further information about this movie other than Charlie Day was on Kimmel <laughs> and uh, was made to answer a question about it, and he told jokes. Do you think that this movie begins with somebody falling through a time portal? Ooh, yes, <laughs> and just struggling to reach their phone. Do you think? It, <laughs> do you think it's like uh, Mario and Luigi are falling forward in time to some? Boy, this do is you a great think they're question. They're falling backward in time. It feels like. Time think, travel's got to be involved. Here I think somewhere. instead of being brothers, Mario and Luigi will be on like opposite ends of like an ancestral chain, right? So like Mario will be traveling from the future, Luigi will be traveling in the past, and they will collide in the present day Mushroom Kingdom. <laughs> All right, Mark, let's get out of the news. All right, that's going to do it for this episode of Nintendo Cartridge Society. Remember, please rate, review, and follow us on Apple Podcasts. If you like the episode, you can uh, share it on Facebook or Twitter or wherever you share stuff. We appreciate it when you do that. You can follow us on Twitter. I'm at Patrick underscore Ellers. Mark is at MKE Mitchell, and the show is at Nincart Society. We also have a Facebook page, which is just Nintendo Cartridge Society. Olivia Duncan made our logo. Our theme music is provided by 8-Bit Betty. You can get more of his music by going to 8BitBetty.com or by listening right now. For my co-host, Mark Mitchell, this is Patrick Eller saying, now we just got to wait for Keegan-Michael Key to go on Jimmy Kimmel. Then we'll get some real info. (laughs) Thanks for listening. Have you ever encountered an unexplained hairy bipedal hominid in the woods? Have you received telepathic messages from an unidentified aerial phenomenon? If so, then you need to listen to Bigfoot Collectors Club. I'm Michael McMillan. And I'm Bryce Johnson. And together with super producer... Riley Bray. We make up the Bigfoot Collectors Club. That's right. Every week we talk to actors, comedians, writers, and paranormal experts about their personal paranormal histories and share stories of high strangeness. Like the time when we talked to Craig Ferguson about the Loch Ness Monster and when a sea witch told him he had raven magic. Or the time I asked Pitch Perfect's Anna Camp her opinion on cattle mutilations. Past guests have included Rachel Bloom, Jen Kirkman, Paul F. Tompkins, Bobcat Goldthwait, and more. So if you've ever been abducted alongside five reindeer by an alien with drills for hands, or witnessed Bigfoot crawl out of an interdimensional portal, don't laugh, happens all the time, then check out Bigfoot Collectors Club on Campfire Media or wherever you get your podcasts. Bigfoot Collectors Club, you're You're here to to believe believe us. Wait, is that how it goes? Campfire.